welcome to Beyond the Shelf. My name is Dawn. I'm Jenny. And we're back again in August, which I assume is hot. But we are not here to talk about the weather today. <laughs> not today. Not today. Today we're here to talk about thrillers. We want to just chat about this genre that kind of encompasses a lot of things similar to when we were talking about sci-fi mm -hmm. in that speculative fiction and sci-fi can encompass a lot of things. I think thrillers is the same way. Usually they're, they're books that like there's a lot of suspense. They kind of leave you on the edge of your seat. But there's often like a mystery involved. Mm -hmm. There's some crossover, which I feel like any good book doesn't just sit in the middle of one genre. It has a lot of things that it touches. I would agree with that. And I think that thrillers, mysteries, suspense, they're kind of in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I don't get into a lot of horror, but that would fall under suspense too, I think. Mm -hmm. So there are some things that are used in the plots and I realize that I am not 100% certain what red herring means. Okay well a red herring is basically a fake out so it makes you think that this certain person is probably the guilty party or that whatever crime was committed you think that that's it and you've got it solved and it was really a red herring it was not um, mm -hmm. what it actually was. Why it's called a red herring I'm I don't know. I guess we could look that up. We could. It's got something to do with a bird, maybe. I thought it was a fish. A heron. A herring is a fish. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's sometimes, aren't they used as like a distraction from like the true like plot? Absolutely. Or the true, okay. Absolutely. That's what um, I was thinking Agatha of. Christie is notorious for red herrings in okay. her books. Absolutely. And so after you've read, you know a dozen or more of hers you really start kind of catching mm -hmm. on to that so Agatha Christie's typically viewed as more of like a mystery writer for sure would you call her thriller as well I personally wouldn't call it thrilling but I would say suspense mm -hmm. I would not say that I would get scared reading her but she is definitely a page turner mm -hmm. and you want to find out who done it. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where is this going and who's the guilty party and who's going to die next or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely a page turner. One thing I found that kind of defines this genre is that usually there's some kind of crime and there's a detective. But I would argue the detective doesn't have to actually be a detective. Like it could be oh, somebody sure. who's investigating. So it could be Miss Marple, for mm -hmm. example. Yes, yeah. who is one of my favorite mm -hmm. Agatha Christie characters. Definitely. She's not a professional detective. She's not Poirot. No, she's not Hercule Poirot. <laughs> but she is a reader and studier of human nature. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she is so good at solving these crimes what I found when I was looking at different thrillers are these are books that like I aspire to read, but I haven't read yet mm -hmm. a lot of them. But it also seemed like a lot of these really lend towards movie adaptations. Mm -hmm. Talented Mr. Ripley has been a movie. The Shining by Stephen King. Yes. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Kessie, which was actually inspired by some of the author's experiences. But I personally would not call One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest a thriller mm -hmm. at all. Would that, it be like a suspense or uh, no? I, no, I, I, I'm not sure. It surprises me that it falls under that category. Mm -hmm. It was a well-written fiction book. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't call it a thriller? Not in no. that sense. Mm -mm, not at all. There's not really. It wasn't suspenseful. 
I feel like the list of classic thrillers when I was looking up some titles, I wasn't getting like classics like you think of Jane Austen or you think of, well, Arthur Conan Doyle did come mm-hmm. up because Sherlock. In our collection, Sherlock is in the mysteries. Mm-hmm. But you could definitely say there's like some suspense, some thriller in there, especially if he's being chased by, you know, somebody that he's trying to catch for another mm-hmm. crime or a murder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes, I'm not sure if Sherlock Holmes is even falls in this category, but there's like a category called a cozy murder mystery, mm-hmm. which is kind of like an oxymoron, something cozy and murderous at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It's not something that makes your heart really race a whole lot. And there's not, it's not maybe as violent as some mm-hmm. of the other suspense. You get the mystery get, element without yeah. all the like blood or there's, scariness. Yeah. Some of them are sure. really graphic. Gone Girl was on our list by mm-hmm. Jillian Flynn. That murder was pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. The movie even more so. And that one had a plot twist that I don't think I even figured out right away. It was good. It was really good. Then mm-hmm. she also, I think she's one that also wrote Girl on the Train. I think she wrote that. Maybe was not. that her or Paula Hawkins? That was Paula Hawkins. Mm-hmm. So that one was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I just got done reading one called Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone. <laughs> it's a fairly new release. The author is Benjamin Stevenson. I really liked it. It was good. I know my daughter was listening to it and she said she audibly gasped at the end when there was a plot twist she just was not expecting at mm-hmm. all so I guess that that I considered it just a cozy mystery I figured it out but like I said that's what I read mm-hmm. so I'm always figuring it out if a book can really surprise me then that automatically gets a five star no matter what <laughs> <laughs> because it just took me by surprise Another one that is fairly new is Murder Your Employer. Mm-hmm. That one, it's and it has a lot of humor in it too, but that also is like a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to define suspense, thriller, mystery. They kind of all blend together. Mm-hmm. And some mysteries just aren't suspenseful. Um, they might have a plot twist that makes them more interesting, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily... Even if it's a page turner, it may not be suspenseful. Maybe I'm just too picky on what is suspense and thriller. I don't know. I think there are some classic names that you can apply to that, like John Grisham. Sure. Or like David Baldacci, Mm -hmm. very similar. A lot of James Patterson Mm -hmm. or um, John le Carre, who wrote the James Bond series. Like those all, they tend to have like somebody who is like a detective or some kind of authority in that way Mm -hmm. that are pretty easily like anybody on the street if you ask them for like a thriller author Mm -hmm. is going to give you one of those guys yeah and sometimes I think that it it depends on how dark it goes Mm -hmm. I think to me it's more thrilling or suspense if it's has a bit more of a darker edge to it Mm -hmm. and not as much humor um Agatha Christie has a lot of humor in hers Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well but I just find her very intriguing and I I love how her brain works when she's working out her stories So I read a book that Natalie D. Richards had recommended to us when we had interviewed her Mm -hmm. called Stolen by Lucy Christopher. And Natalie, I don't know if you remember this, but she kind of talked up this book. She's like, this is the book that I think of when I think of like 
a thriller in that way. And that is what Natalie writes, Mm -hmm, too. Like, we both read Four Found Dead, and you read a few others of hers. Mm -hmm. So this book, Stolen, it was suspenseful, but it didn't really have your, like, heart racing until very particular parts in the book. Mm -hmm. Because... The the whole story is about a young girl who's kidnapped, and then most of it is about the time she spends with the kidnapper, mm. who like is obviously somebody who's got some mental issues going on. There's there's some suspense in the beginning part where she is taken, mm-hmm. and then at the end there's some too. And as she's trying to deconstruct what happened and everything. So that was interesting as a suspense because it's almost like a slow burn and mm-hmm. you're like, you know, something's going to happen, but at the same time, you're not sure what's going to happen, like what the kidnapper is going to right. do. I immediately, when Natalie was like, this book's really great, I was like, well, she's written some New York Times bestsellers. I guess yeah. I'll read this book she recommended. She can give good advice on that. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that I have found with kidnap books I feel like one of the things that they almost always gravitate towards is like the Stockholm Syndrome. I don't know if that happened in that book, Mm -hmm. but it seems like they fall in love with their kidnapper or they, you know, and I kind of get tired of that. I like the ones where the kidnapper is brought to justice, (laughs) where Mm -hmm. they should be brought to justice because what they did was horrible, not Mm -hmm. because they really deep down inside were a good person, even though they kidnapped you. I mean... (laughs) That's just my preference. (laughs) So Stolen does deal with Stockholm Syndrome, Mm -hmm. but not in the way in in that way. Because the the guy who kidnaps her takes her out into the Australian outback and she has no survival skills and he does. And so she's forced to rely on him. So there are situations where he he does actually, even though he kidnapped her, he saves her life. Mm And so when he put her in that situation, but he did exactly. And so like, you kind of have to stop as a reader. Wait, he's not the good guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It plays with that Mm -hmm. a lot. And then when, when you get to the end and she's reflecting and like I said, deconstructing and she realizes how she almost tried to defend him and has to be like, wait, no. Right. We talked to, like you said, Natalie Richards, mm-hmm. and she has written, like, that's that's really her wheelhouse. Is oh, the absolutely, yeah. Suspense thriller. <laughs> YA, I think that YA has a huge following for suspense. I feel like it's mm-hmm. not always, mm-hmm. YA is not always just romance, mm-hmm. for sure. There's a lot of suspense, lot going thriller, on. mystery stuff going yeah, absolutely. on Absolutely. Holly Jackson is really big mm-hmm. right now. Karen McManus, one of a series. Yes. Um, and there's like a new that. one for that coming mm-hmm. out here soon, the the last one in that series. Yeah, Holly Jackson did the Good Girls, Good Guide, Girls to Guide to Yeah, mm-hmm. I really liked those a lot. Mm-hmm. And then she also did one called Five Survive. Really mm-hmm. liked that one. And then Allison Brennan, she's not YA, but she wrote The Sorority Murder. And it was it was a, a guy who like did a podcast, kind mm-hmm. of like the Good Girls Guide, and was trying to solve this crime. And so I I liked it. I liked how I liked that one a lot too. Mm-hmm. So she was good. B. A. Paris, she mm-hmm. does a lot of suspense thriller mystery books too that I've read. So are there any movies like? Do you watch movies that are psychological thrillers or horror or suspense at all or? Does stuff like that scare you? I know sometimes people don't like that. Sometimes I actually like purposely go 
onto Netflix looking for movies that are like that, that mm-hmm. are going to, you know, have a little psychological twist to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know some of the classic ones would be like Fatal Attraction. That one was... I've never seen that. It's old. Um, <laughs> I think I was a child when it came out. I don't know if you were even born yet when it came out, but it was, it was like, it was one for mm-hmm. sure. And then Stephen King, I don't know mm-hmm. how many of his books have been adapted right. into movies, yeah. but dozens at right, least so right. and he always has very twisty scary mm-hmm. and his I mean they're and they're scary mm-hmm. he's got really scary stuff I know that there's a lot of television shows that would fall like Sherlock Holmes has mm-hmm. you know TV, a TV adaptation and um Veronica Mars I don't know if you ever watched Veronica Mars I haven't but okay it was yeah. one of our favorites we, mm-hmm. it only had three seasons and then it had a movie and then it had a fourth season we don't talk about but um <laughs> the first three seasons of the movie were really good mm-hmm. and it always had a, a murder mystery to solve and it was a little dark a little noir mm-hmm. um, we really liked it a lot it was on the CW are you afraid of the dark? That was like oh, the thing yes. when I was younger and there was only ever one episode of that that actually scared me. Mm-hmm. So we had mentioned that we got to talk to Natalie Richards. Mm-hmm. We also got to interview Mindy McGinnis. Yes, we did. Uh, which was super cool. Mindy, very down to earth, very just like Frank, I think mm-hmm. is a way to put it. Sure. So she was super- And she's an Ohio author. And an Ohio <laughs> author. We want to share that interview as well. So let's just roll right into that. Mindy McGinnis is the author of multiple novels that span many genres. From historical to fantasy, contemporary to gothic thriller, you can always count on Mindy's books to deliver grit, truth, and an unflinching look at humanity and the world around us. A ninth-generation farmer, Mindy attributes much of her character to growing up on an Ohio farm learning the value of physical labor and the harshness of the natural world early in life. Much of her writing reflects small-town living and aspects of rural poverty. A former school librarian, (laughs) woo-woo, Mindy still lives and works in her hometown and is dedicated to making herself available to financially disadvantaged school districts and communities. Mindy has done multiple interviews and guest posts over the years, including now with us on Beyond the Shelf, and has been featured on outlets like NPR and PBS. She's also a guest on a myriad of podcasts, blogs, and websites, and now she's here with us. So welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming. I had the privilege of meeting Mindy uh, the beginning of April. She was doing a book signing in Chagrin Falls, and I happened to be on vacation with my daughters that weekend, and I saw a book signing for an Ohio author, and I was like, girls, we're going here. And they're like, (laughs) okay, a bookstore. Imagine mom wants to do that. So I got to meet her, so that was really, really cool. It's actually my first author signing I've been to, other than our local author event that we host here at the library. So that was really, that was special. I thought it was super cool that you have been on the ALA list of top fiction for young adults several times. You've written so many books and I I've read a couple I just got to uh, I just finished be not far from me which was really Uh raw and intense and I was really impressed with it and I also read this darkness mine which I feel like had a lot of like kind of heavy themes to it and it got me wondering if you have to get into like a certain mindset to be able to write those 
those types of books or like where do you draw from um so quite the opposite actually i'm in that mindset all the time and i have to get in a different mindset to be normal when i'm around people and i'm in public so uh yeah people ask me that often because mm-hmm. my books are really dark and my books are tough and difficult and they deal with hard things and so people are always like isn't it hard to to write about that stuff, isn't it difficult for you? And I'm like, no, that's, this is what I think about all the time. This is just how my brain works. I don't understand people that sit down and write a rom-com. Like, that makes no <laughs> sense to me. That would be very straining for me mentally. Like, there's no way I could do that. So, no, like, I don't struggle with it at all. And so people are often, like, thrown by that answer. No, I don't have any trouble getting into the headspace that's necessary to write what I write. How many books have you published now? Twelve. My twelfth just came out in March. So that's the one that I got. You autographed. I'm sorry, I have not read it yet. I know it's called A Long Stretch Stretch of Bad Days. I will read Uh it. So you had told me a little bit about that. Do you want to give us a little synopsis of that one since that's your newest one? So my newest is called A Long Stretch of Bad Days, and it is all about a small town. And my main character is a girl who really wants to go to an Ivy League school and be an investigative journalist. This is her entire dream in life, but she is the valedictorian, or will be the valedictorian of a class of like 65. And so she knows that doesn't mean a lot. And if she wants to get into a really prestigious school, she's going to have to do more in order to have a great college resume and be able to get into one of the schools that she's aiming for. So she has a podcast and that's how she's kind of been trying to fluff up her resume a little bit, but it's just not really hitting the way she was hoping. So she decides to do a series of episodes about a week in their town's history 30 years ago that everyone calls the long stretch of bad days. And it was a period of time when a tornado hit the town and utterly destroyed it. There was a flash flood that drowned 30 dogs at the county pound, and the only murder that ever happened in their town occurred, and it has been unsolved to this day. And so Lydia, my main character, is thinking, you know, if I could solve this unsolved murder, that would get attention, and that would be really cool, and that would probably really help me get into college. So she starts digging into the long stretch of bad days, and while she's doing that, with the intention of trying to solve that unsolved murder, she finds a discrepancy in some of the data from the tornado, the list of the missing and the list of the dead don't really mesh up once you know who actually survived and she's doing all the numbers on this and there is a teenage girl that just disappeared during this week when there were natural disasters and a murder and the National Guard was called in and everybody was chaos and nobody knew what was going on. And this girl just disappeared and no one talked about it then and nobody wants to talk about it now. And so she starts asking questions and starts digging and starts saying this girl's name and it makes people really uncomfortable. And she knows right away, as soon as she starts talking about this girl, that people know, someone knows what happened. And so uh, she's trying to figure that out. And the people that were responsible for some of the bad things that happened during the long stretch of bad days are still there. They still are there in that town and they certainly don't want her doing what she's doing. I'm looking forward to reading it and I will get to it. <laughs> I promise. But I did read the one you won the Edgar Award for. Oh, I madness. Oh, so, a madness to treat. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It was so good. I know that you won the Edgar Award um, 
the YA Edgar uh-huh. Award for that. However, I just feel like A Man is So Discreet is across the board. I don't even know if I would have qualified it as YA necessarily. I think that young adults can read it, but it definitely crossed the border to adult fiction as yeah, well. Yeah, the only sense that that is YA is that my main character is a teenager. Right. Like everything else about it. Uh, people ask me this a lot, though. Because I don't pull any punches and I write whatever I want and I don't really pull back on anything. Mm -hmm. And so people ask me all the time, I'll pitch one of my books and I'll talk about, well, this is what happens in this book. And they're like, and that's YA. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Because you can do a lot more than you used to be able to do in YA. So people ask me often if I ever have any intention of writing adult or if my books really are intended for teenagers. Here's the thing. I don't care who reads my books. Mm-hmm. It, I, anybody reading my books is my friend, right? <laughs> um, I really don't have any intended audience technically when I'm writing. I'm writing this book for whoever wants to read it. I'm taking a stab in the dark, but I would guess that 80% of my readership is actually adult. I think that that's probably true. I actually like YA books. It's one of my favorite genres of book. Do you think being under the YA banner, does that ever hurt your sales at all? Or um, In the case of A Madness So Discreet, definitely. Because here's the thing, it won the Edgar Allan Poe Award, and that's really cool. It has terrible sales numbers. It did not sell well. Historical doesn't do well within the YA age category, and it is set in 1890. So it deals with insane asylums, lobotomies, the beginning of criminal profiling, and women's rights. So it did not sell well. And everybody that talks to me about that book and absolutely loves that book, uh, mostly are adults. But then I have teenagers, too, so you never know. But especially that book, um, the tone and the way that I write and the language and everything about it. I didn't want to write a book that was set in 1890 that read like a book that was written in 2013, mm-hmm. but sounded like it was set in 1890. I want to write a book that reads like a book that was written in 1890. That's what I went about doing. And I do think in terms of readership, especially if we're talking about YA and teen readers, only very serious readers are going to enjoy that book. I think in that particular case, that book would have been much better off being marketed and it would have done better in terms of sale if it was an adult novel. Mm -hmm. I have a couple titles that probably would have done better if they were published as adult, but I am known as a YA writer. And my publisher is Catherine Teigen Books, which is a imprint of HarperCollins, and they are a YA imprint. Like, that's all they, that's what they do. I have a wonderful relationship with them. I have been with my editor that is there for nine books now. And uh, that's like pretty almost unheard of in the publishing industry. So I'm really comfortable there. I have a literal team You know, Mm -hmm. I've got a copy editor that we use every time. I've got a cover designer that we use every time. I've got an audiobook narrator that we pretty much use every time. So um, I'm really comfortable there. I would love to write a sequel to On This Screen someday. That is something I very much want to do. It, If that happens, it will not be a traditionally published book because the numbers, like I said, sales for that are not good. I have the intention nobody get too excited because it's all about free time but i have the intention of doing a kickstarter and self-publishing a sequel to a madness so discreet so if that's something that interests you and you're listening and you love a madness so discreet you should sign up for my newsletter 
at mindymcginnis.com, which is where any information about that ever happening will be provided. Well, it definitely lends itself to a sequel, for sure. I, I would be very excited to read a sequel to that. Like I said, I enjoyed it a lot. And the other one that I read was um, Female of the Species. Oh, that yeah. one it was very gritty, very hard. It was a hard book to read because of the topic, but yeah. so well done. And I, I liked it as well. I, I actually read that one. That was the first one I read. And then I am halfway through Be Not Far From Me. I thought I'd finish oh, it yesterday yeah. and my day blew up, but I did get halfway <laughs> through it. So, but I'm, I'm enjoying it too. But Dawn has read that one and she had some questions for you about that one. Um, sure. So I was interested in that you had been a, a school librarian, which uh-huh. I'm sure is really fun and challenging. I do the teen services at our library here and I love interacting with the teens. I, I did notice also that like kind of small town high school life is reflected a lot in your books. Yep. Oh my gosh, where was I going with this? That's okay, because <laughs> I want to clarify something anyways. I always say in my bio, I was a school librarian for 14 years because that is the recognizable way to, to like present that. Mm-hmm. When I'm talking to actual librarians, I always clarify, I was an aide. I don't have my MLS. I don't have my master's. Okay. So neither do we. we. Okay. Yeah, All right. Cool. I, just, I always feel like a little bit mm-hmm. of a poser yeah. when somebody is like, so you were a librarian for 14 years. And I'm like, well, okay. Like, yes, I was. And I did all the work of a librarian, but I don't have my master's. So I always, I always throw that out there. So anyway, continuing on, uh, be not far from me. So I love that book. People ask me all the time, what is the book that you're most proud of? Or what is the book that was the most challenging for you to write? And they're always surprised when I say it was be not far from me because it's actually my shortest book. Mm -hmm. It is 55,000 words long. It is literally half the length of my longest book, which is the second book in my fantasy series. So that book was particularly difficult. And the reason why I say that is because my main character is alone for probably 98% of the book, maybe 99. She is alone. That means she has no one to bounce off of. There's not room for dialogue. You can't, I mean, in when writing a book, you use dialogue and you use interactions with other characters to fill in backstory and to make the plot move forward. Like there's so many different things that you use dialogue for and there's no one for her to talk to. So I can't have dialogue and She's in the woods for 99% of the book. 99% of the book is I'm walking through the woods. Or I had pitched this book and Harper had bought the concept. So I sold it on spec, which means on speculation. And so I gave them the idea that they were like, yeah, this is great. And then I have to write it. And I started writing it. And, you know, I wrote the beginning, like, I think chapter or two. And then she's in the woods and she's lost and she's alone. And... I would come back to my laptop every day and I always reread what I wrote the day before just to remind myself, where are we? What's going on? What happens next? And I would read it and be like, oh yeah, she's in the woods still. And um, I would be like, oh my God, so what's going to happen next? What am I going to do? And I came to the realization as I was working that whenever you're writing a survival story, which is what this is, there are only so many things that can happen. You've severely limited yourself in any survival story at all. The only things that can happen are starvation, weather, animal injury, animal attack and injury. Like, that's it. These are the only things that can happen unless you're going to change your genre wildly and an alien shows up, right? (laughs) So as I was working, because I'm always trying to do something different. I'm always trying to find some way to distinguish what I'm doing 
from the genre that I'm writing in or the typical plot points that would happen in a book like this. I always try to do something different. And as I was working and as I was writing this book, I was like, well, crap. You can't, like, there's only so many things that can happen and every single survival story that you're ever going to read has those. So one thing that I thought I could do that would distinguish it a little bit, and that is that my main character is menstruating because I felt like that should probably be mentioned because uh, if you read pretty much 98, 99% of the books that are out there with female characters, none of them appear to actually have a functioning uterus. So (laughs) I decided I was going to... To include that she was she was menstruating and just up the ante, but also talk about something that nobody wants to talk about and also make it a little bit different. And so mm-hmm. that was one of the things that I, I decided early on while I was writing Be Not Far From Me was that Ashley, my main character, was going to be menstruating while she was lost in the Smoky Mountains. I found that book kind of hard to put down. Like I read it really quickly and I'm not really a fast reader, but I felt like the pacing of it was really good and like wondering you know what's going to happen how how is she going to survive with what's going on as she like gets injured and as things happen you're like is she gonna get out and I you were saying like there's not a lot of dialogue the most of the dialogue is her like talking to herself randomly and then she's like oh great I'm talking to myself am I gonna answer myself and it felt like I was reading this book thinking I'd be dead by now (laughs) personally I was really impressed with it. I also read This Darkness Mine, which I thought was going to be a bit more supernatural, but it actually moved more towards like a mental health issue, which surprised me. And the ending on it especially too was not what I was expecting either. Yeah. So So if you want to be amused, you should read my reviews for that book. People... Do not know what to think of that book. Mm-hmm. So I said Madness of the Street doesn't sell well. That's true. This Darkness Mind doesn't sell at all. Um, <laughs> people, but the people that love it freaking love it. And they were like, this is the most effed up thing I've ever read in my life. And I adored it. It was, um, And also the main mm-hmm. character is not likable. She is a mean person. Mm-hmm. And that was fun to write too. And so like, you got to be ready to... Um, to kind of drop everything that you expect at the door when you pick up that book. Were, were you expecting to write This Darkness Mine? I had seen where you'd done another interview and you were encouraged to like expand that story from a short story you had written called Phantom Heart. Yeah, that's true. So I have a short story in, in an anthology called Among the Shadows. And at that time, I had been researching for something else and I don't remember what it was but uh, I was doing some research and I ended up coming across articles about phantom limb syndrome which is where uh, a person that has lost part of their body they still get feedback from the nerves the most fascinating thing I had ever read and I was really really interested in that and then I got to thinking yeah okay but what if it wasn't a physical body part that you thought that you had what if you thought that you had in this case, absorbed your twin and you had their heart. What? How would that work, right? And so that my brain tumbled down this path. I was like, well, what would you do? Because I had a student that had absorbed their twin in the womb and they actually had some of their organs and they knew this because they were backwards Mm -hmm. and the twin had been back to back with the surviving sibling in the womb. And I thought it was all fascinating and all these things happened at the same time. And I just ended up putting together this idea of this girl 
that believes she absorbed her twin in the womb. And I wrote this short story called Phantom Heart where she is looking into the mirror box and believes that she's seeing her sister when she looks in instead of seeing herself. And I wrote the short story and I put it in this anthology and my friends, I was one of the editors on the anthology. And my friends, Demetria Lunetta and Kate Carries Quinn, who are my co-editors, were like, Mindy, this isn't a short story. This is a novel. And I was like, no, it's not. It's one scene. It's not fleshed out. This is all I got. It's a short story. And I just like fought him on it. Well, and then it was time for me to produce uh, something for a contract for a novel for my editor. And I didn't have anything like cooking. I wasn't having any like fresh ideas. And I was like, hey, here's the short story I wrote. My friends all say it's a novel. What do you think? Is it a novel? I can, like, if you think it is, I can make it one. And I sent it to him and he read it. And he was like, yeah, dude, that's, that's a novel. You should write that. So I did. <laughs> so that's how this darkness mind came about. Like it's expanded and like, who is this girl and why does she feel this way? And what is the result? And so the question is, you know, is she right or is she crazy? And the truth is, is that when I was writing the book, I wanted to leave that totally open because partially I didn't know. I didn't know how I wanted to end it and what I wanted the answer to be at the end. So this one is kind of psychological thriller and Be Not Far From Me is, I don't know, sort of a survival and you've done some fantasy and historical fiction. Do you have like a preferred genre to write? No, not really. Uh, I read widely. I'll read anything. And so therefore I will write anything. The fantasies that I wrote, I'm very, very proud of, but unfortunately they also did not sell well at all. Fantasy readers tend to mostly specifically read fantasy and typically they have authors that they will return to over and over again mm -hmm. most fantasy authors only write fantasy so when you're not a fantasy author and you write fantasy books all the fantasy readers go who are you and all of your readers go what have you done so it's like it doesn't really usually go very well i don't have a specific genre that i enjoy writing i can promise you that i will never write a romance I would like to write horror. I've got a whole idea for a horror novel that I would love to write. And my editor is a wonderful person. He's just like, you jump genres so much. Like, let's let's stop giving your readers whiplash. And I'm like, I, that's fair from a marketing perspective. But isn't this idea that I have really cool? <laughs> well, I would say you are unique in the fact that you have so many genres you've written. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's really common. Because um, you, you mentioned, like, fantasy. I've read Cinda Williams' Chima. And she's, yeah. yeah. Have you met her? I'm oh, yeah. Sid yeah. is from Ohio. Right, I know. And so she's fantasy, and she pretty much sticks with that genre, and she does it very well. I enjoy it yep. a lot. I liked her very much. And then um, we also had the chance to interview Natalie D. Richards, which I know you know oh, her, yeah. too. She does, pretty much sticks with her genre, too, and she does it very well. But I just find your ability to do different genres very fascinating I think that's really cool I don't think a lot of authors are brave enough to try and jump genres so I appreciate that that you do yeah that. absolutely um I like being brave comes into it but a lot of the times too it's marketing it's the marketing department and it's their editor who is just like you know no we're gonna stay in your lane because that's where your readers want you mm -hmm. and the truth is, is that if I had stayed in a lane and picked something early on I probably would do better and sell more and be more well-known, but uh, I would rather write what I want to write. Thank you so much for talking yes. with us today. We, yeah, thank you It for was really, me. really great. Yeah. 
And hopefully yeah. maybe you'll be able to come to our local author event next year. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. invite me and send yeah. me, like, let me know the dates so I can block them off. Okay. Oh. Yeah, definitely. We can do that. We can do that All today. Right. We know the date already. So yeah. thanks, Mindy. Awesome. We appreciate okay. it. Yeah, thank you guys. So that was a great interview with Mindy. So let's talk about what we have coming up in August, Friday, August 11th at the Story Walk which is behind the Bell stores here in Orville, there's going to be a community bug walk. We do ask that your family would register for that, just so we have an idea of how many are coming. I don't know if we're going to be collecting, you know, have enough bugs for everybody or how that'll work, but <laughs> we just need to make sure that we know that you're coming. And that's Friday, August 11th. If teens have signed up for a book box in July, then their pickup it starts on Monday, August 7th. It's that whole week. And then I am excited. We're going to have another Ohio author here, Kathy Barron, and she is going to lead a young writers workshop for teens. So anyone sixth grade to 12th grade on Thursday, August 10th at 3.30, there will be snacks. We're going to do a little creative writing. Kathy's going to lead in that. So I'm excited. Do you off the top of your head know what she has written? Yeah, she wrote a book called Shattered. Oh, okay. It's on the uh, summer reading assignment cart. Mm -hmm. So if there's any teens out there looking for something to read, I believe it's about a young violin player. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. And then Monday, August 28th at six o'clock, we are going to have the cookbook club. So is this just, is this the family cookbook club or is this? This is the regular cookbook club. The regular one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's Monday, August 28th at six o'clock and the book that you'll want to grab a hold of so you can make something yummy and delicious is called Healthy Eats with Six Sisters. So if you're familiar with the Six Sisters mm -hmm. blog, that's one of their cookbooks. And the whole book is focused around like healthy, quick family meals. Mm -hmm. So, Well, thanks for joining us again for this episode of Beyond the Shelf. Next month, we're super excited, of course, because it'll be our one-year anniversary in September. Ooh. We are going to have some giveaways and we're going to have a lot of staff interviews so you can meet the other people besides Don and myself. And I uh, <laughs> hope that you will join us for that uh, party time in September. <laughs> I'm Jenny. And I'm Don. We hope to see you at the library soon. Mm -hmm.